0: are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision making and action taking. I love making these podcasts because I get to meet people from all around the globe who are working to make their world just a little bit better. My guest today set out on her social mission, fueled having experienced the disparities within the economic wealth of Silicon Valley in California. Meet social impact pioneer, Jennifer Stojkovic, also known as Jenny. Jenny's passions are her expertise. She is an expert in building networks and communities. She is passionate about food with a serious eye on the future. And she is a woman helping women. During our conversation today, you will cross continents in terms of her conversation, ranging from what it takes to keep going as a female entrepreneur, why food on your plate is transforming, and how to be part of her Vegan Women's Summit. So Jenny, welcome. Thanks to be here. Oh, it's good to have you joining. Jenny, I wanted to start our conversation. You've been looking at, indeed, you are a female entrepreneur. Why do you think that women being entrepreneurs, being leaders, why have, why have I got a problem?
1: Well, that is a big question that I don't know if we can tackle in 60 minutes. But, you know, generally speaking, the vast majority of the systems in which we all operate uh, have been fundamentally built by men. Up until recently, most uh, entrepreneurs and, and leaders in business have been male And so in the last few decades, women have really started to have the ability to create companies and to have the option to be outside of the home. It wasn't really until after World War II that women had a large role outside of the home, certainly here in Western countries. And so over the past few decades, as more and more women have created companies, there have been a number of of inequities that they face. Uh, Certainly the biggest one, the most prominent one right now is the fact that women entrepreneurs receive less than 2% of all investments worldwide. Yes, less than 2%, which is just an astounding number to consider when you think of the fact that we have almost an equal amount of women um, creating companies as men. Uh, In the US, Black women were the fastest growing entrepreneur group in the world or in the country last year. So why is it that all of these women are creating companies, but they are not able to get an investment and take their companies to the next level?
0: As a tricky nut to crack. And I wanted to delve into a little bit about your own personal journey that's brought you to this and to looking at this question. So can you share a bit with us, Jenny, about your own journey? What's provoked you to try and lean into female entrepreneurship?
1: So myself, I built my career in Silicon Valley in the tech industry. And for anybody listening, everybody knows that tech is known for a few things, one of them being it's quite male-driven, particularly Silicon Valley, which has tropes such as tech pros and things like that. It was an often isolating environment for myself as a young female professional to be constantly surrounded by predominantly men. On top of that, in the tech industry, I was doing lobbying. And so I also was surrounded by a lot of political figures, which were predominantly men. So basically, two different industries overlap together as just being a minority. And so a few years ago, when I really started to see the future of food becoming the next big boom, the next big tech industry, uh, personally, this is something that I've been following and and been a part of for many years, I thought, great, this is an amazing opportunity for me to bring my talents to this new industry and everything that I've learned growing the tech industry. I can bring this to the new startup ecosystem. But what I found is that that ecosystem was really mirroring much of the tech industry before it and was predominantly led by men. And so my theory has been, if we really want to unlock the key to changing our food system, we need to make sure that we are more representative of everybody in the community because everybody buys food. It's a simple reality. And on top of everybody buys food, Um, Women drive most of the food purchases. So, 93% of consumer food purchases are made by women. So, it just would follow suit that if we want to be able to sell to those that buy these foods, we should be tapping into leaders from those communities.
0: And tell us a bit more about tapping into women leaders from those communities. I happen to know you've been um, spearheading something called Vegan Women's Summit. I was wondering whether you could sort of share with us a bit about both of those pieces. Today.
1: So that is really how we are tapping into the community is through Vegan Women's Summit, also known as VWS. Vegan Women's Summit is a organization I created three years ago. We started simply as just one event, 250 women in a room in San Francisco. And my theory was, if I get a lot of powerful and very interested and innovative people all together to talk about how we can accelerate change in the food system, whether it be uh, women joining companies, women investing in companies, women starting companies in food, what can we do? And so that 250 women three years ago has now become over 60,000 women professionals across six continents, not unlike the network that, that you all have built. And so we are now a platform that focuses on all elements of growing the industry. We do a giant conference every year. Uh, We'll have a thousand people in New York this May. We also do pitch competitions. We also do job networking. We also create industry data such as reports on women founders and really have become the leading thought entity when it comes to not just uh, women, but also the future of food altogether. It's a burgeoning industry and something that there's not a lot of, of folks that really understand it and really specialize in it. So that is that's kind of how we spearheaded it. It's, um, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're man, woman or, or, or otherwise, there is a role for you in VWS. And we assure you that there's a way you can be a part of reinventing the food system.
0: Oh, congratulations. And what a meteoric rise, especially off the back of COVID and lockdown and and yeah, horrendous times it'd be remiss of me then to miss the opportunity to ask you about what does the future of food look like? Where are we going? Where What, what should we expect as a layman sitting, watching, eating, <laughs> consuming food?
1: Well, how uh, how much time do we have? So the future of food is, it is just absolutely incredible. We are re-envisioning the way that we grow the foods that we eat, the sources of these foods and uh, most most definitely the sustainability of these foods. So much of what we focus on in particular is an industry called alternative protein. And so alternative protein can be everything from a plant-based uh, protein, which of course there are many of those out there. There's your Beyond and Impossible Burgers or going back in the day to like Linda McCartney. There's, there's always been vegan burgers, uh, but we're now taking that to the next level. And so There's new technologies that can, quite honestly, from the cellular level, uh, recreate these products. So, for instance, we support and work with tons of companies that are doing precision fermentation, which is a way to literally ferment and create proteins, just like how you would with, say, kombucha or wine, and create animal proteins instead. And on top of that, we also have what is very timely news for this week, cultivated meat. So cultivated meat for folks that aren't familiar is also known as lab grown meat, unfortunately in the media, but that is real meat that is grown through the cells of an animal outside of the body of the animal. So rather than needing to grow a cow for three years and feed and water and you know produce all of that methane, we are able to grow that beef in a vessel uh, known as a bioreactor and create the entire experience of meat without needing to grow the animal altogether. And that's just a quick snapshot of some of the things that we have got coming out.
0: Blimey. I'm just thinking about like the next generation to be looking back at us with our sort of farms and all the rest of it, thinking, what are we doing? Like, why are we bothering? But um, at the moment, it's, yeah, it's a bit like looking down a test tube. Got incredible future foresight there. Thank you for sharing it. I also would be remiss. So, we're a community who deeply cares about the kind of how. So, how do you get on? How do you be a female leader, female entrepreneur? what would be your top tips or like the kind of insider guide to to quite frankly making really good successful networks and collaborations happen i mean growing your community from zero to hundreds of thousands in 3 years is massive how do you do that what would be your advice you pass on to somebody else
1: so there's a lot of advice we could dive into from both a personal to a like a networking perspective I will tell you first and foremost, any professional that's at least a few years out of college at this point, you've probably learned the hard way or perhaps the easy way that most opportunities and jobs you're going to get are from networking, right? Like always participating in, in groups and events and conversations. And now it can even be Slack channels and, and even discords about your industry is the best Thing that you can do, especially if you're not in that industry yet, it's so important to start learning um, from people that are in the industry and participating in conversations. I have no background in food whatsoever, and I've become a global expert on the food system and written a book on the future of food. And I, you know, speak at the world's biggest conferences on the future of food. I invest in the future of food. I do all of these things, and I did it all by learning from others and just participating and soaking up information at these types of events, in these types of conversations, reading these types of books. For most things in life, there's probably not a clear cut uh, degree or program or course that you can take. It's really on you to do this kind of self-directed learning. So that's probably the biggest piece of advice that I would give to any male or female entrepreneur or professional that's looking to get into a new space just in general.
0: Oh, I love that. I've had the privilege of talking to a number of female entrepreneurs recently. It's just how it happens, and there's this definite sense from all of you that you just do it. Just you can learn anything. You can become an expert in whatever you are passionate about, and just to get going. And and I I get that oozes from you. So um, thank you for sharing that, Jenny, and inspiring us. But it's not all easy part, easy plain sailing. I'm sure. And therefore, flipping that on its head, what would be Perhaps the thing you wish you hadn't done, or like the 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 biggest
1: learning that you wish you knew when you set out on your journey. Mm, this is that's a good one. So, well, tapping perhaps into what I, my my remark I just made, I would say I wish I'd grow my network sooner for sure. You know, looking back, <laughs> it's the same as you know, start saving earlier. Start, I think, growing your network from from the earliest parts of your career and you never know when these things can pay off. I right now I'm actually going to be doing a book talk at my university that I hadn't even thought of. And the entire board of directors of our of my university in Toronto has bought my book and is going to be joining this book talk. And I had never even thought to tap into that network. It took me, you know, I've been out of school for nine, 10 years, something like that. And and I had never even thought to tap that network. And so I think the best learning that I've had is build your networks early, maintain them, and you never know when these people are going to be impactful uh, in your life. People that you meet in one industry, they might end up on the other side of the table in a different industry. I actually have friends from, from the tech world from years ago that I'm now bumping into in the future of food because we've all kind of found our way into it. And so we're actually all kind of giving each other like up and helping each other out and so i think that's that's a really important learning and then of course i would be remiss if i did not say a, you know imposter syndrome i'm sure you hear about that on every single one of these podcasts that you do certainly with women but getting over that imposter syndrome much sooner one of the things that i have been fortunate to learn that a lot of people i think still struggle with understanding is that there's no single day where somebody Walks up and gives you a stamp of approval and says, "Okay, you're an expert. Okay, you're a leader. You just kind of start doing it. It's a habit. You start, you know, speaking every day. You start honing in on your beliefs and your styles and and what you want to see built. And eventually, at some point, you're just a leader. That's just what happens. There isn't that grand moment where it's like we've ticked the box. Yes, you're important. No, it's it's a gradual process every single day and." there's just no there's no right or wrong way to do it um, and i think a lot of women and especially founders of color that i work with that are in rooms where they're the only people that look like themselves they feel like they don't belong but they do belong they belong just as much as anybody else
0: oh it's so nice to hear practical solutions to imposter syndrome you can like you know it you feel it But you don't get way, like, we're not very good at sharing. Like, this is how just to get through this imposter syndrome. So just to hear you say, like, you know, just keep practicing. It becomes becomes a habit. And then one day we're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) look at me. Um, Exactly. on (laughs) On that crazy one. So looking ahead now, where do you see the work that you're doing going? And what do you see the future sort of holding for you in terms of the kind of trends that you're seeing coming through?
1: There's a lot. Certainly, I'm excited myself to see that there are conversations happening about the future of food at all levels at this point. So I often am finding myself in arenas that are perhaps you know tech conferences or conferences that otherwise would have never spoken about food. Suddenly, now in 2023, food is important. And that makes sense because We are facing an untold shortage and crisis in our food system right now that perhaps didn't seem like a reality several years ago. But in fact, with the drought, with uh, climate change affecting crops and and animal agriculture, with global instability from the war in Europe and so many other factors all at play, we are suddenly seeing a convergence of important minds uh, and individuals all focusing on food, And so I think, you know, in these next few years, we're going to start to see like policy action, political action on changing the food system. I think we're going to see the rollout of these truly futuristic ways for us to consume. And I believe that much in the way that consumers could not have envisioned a car, the famous quote, of course, you know, that Henry Ford says, if if I'd asked them what they want, they would have said faster horses, just because people cannot wrap their minds around what it means to truly reinvent something, I think we'll see that with food. I think that we have, a, we have a tendency to believe that we stick to things the way that they are and that there's no way that they can be changed. But we've seen rapid innovation that has just completely wiped out different ways that we have done things in the past. And I think that same thing is going to be happening in food over the next few years and decades to come.
0: I feel like we're coming back in the next few years to like check in on your prediction, like what we'll all be eating. And, and quite frankly, those food yep. transformation, let's <laughs> we'll put it in the diary now. And, and what's next for you personally? Where do you see yourself going?
1: So I'm excited to be building obviously VWS on a global level. For those that are listening, you know, this year we're doing our big conference in from May 18th to 20th in New York. But next year, We are going global. So, we'll be doing our first conference outside of the US. Stay tuned for a very big announcement there. So, truly building a global movement to grow this industry that's a huge priority of mine. I'll also be announcing another big, big project of mine uh, working on a VC fund as well. So, that should be coming out in a few months' time. We've been raising quite a lot of money uh, to invest in the future of food and just generally building a presence for this conversation in all arenas. I don't know. Maybe I'll end up on like a shark tank or a dragon's den next. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Well, the very best of luck with whatever you choose to do. And for anybody listening, I'll
0: make sure I put the links to the Vegan Women's Summit and Jenny's book and everything else as well into the words that sit alongside it. But Jenny, that wraps up our conversation today. Thank you so much for spending the time with us, sharing your insights uh, on how to be a female entrepreneur but also that sort of future foods piece is is absolutely, truly truly fascinating, if not a little bit frightening. Jenny, thank you. Thank you so much. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.